Hello folks, this is the Knickknack Podcast. I'm Knickknack, a neurodivergent and queer person that seeks knowledge, truth, and justice above all else. This podcast is my way of sharing my story and processing it. This is Season 15, Episode 19, and I'm calling it The Truth Is Out There. I may have used that title before. If I found out, find out that I have, I will become The Truth Is Out There too, naturally. Obviously, the search for truth and meaning is one of the big driving forces in my life. It has a lot to do with my life experience, of course, but it also has much to do with the fact that I tried to combat childhood insomnia by listening to Art Bell and the Beatles. John Lennon, in particular, has been a heavy influence on me and my thoughts and my thinking style. In fact, most of my attempts at songwriting are very much in the style of John's early solo work. So, it is with this childlike mindset that I say, let's journey back to the 90s era X-Files culture, grab a beverage and a breath, and get started. Let's start with the basic idea of trust, because that's really where, you know, that that's the origin of how I connected with the X-Files catchphrase, trust no one. When most people are children, they implicitly trust adults to keep them safe and to guide them. I personally lost my ability to do that at two and a half when I battled a Wilms tumor, and my parents were, understandably, so hell-bent on keeping me alive that they enrolled me in a drug trial. I was, of course, too young to consent to treatment, which is, of course, problematic. I was also too young to even understand the risks of the treatment. My parents probably couldn't understand or at least appreciate the risks, either given the incredible emotional weight of having a sick child in the late 1980s. Keep in mind, this was the Reagan era. If the UC Davis medical staff understood the risks, they were professionally obligated to be callous about it, of course. That whole science requires objectivity and thinking like Aristotle nonsense. The net result is memories, for me, emotional memories of my parents forcibly holding me down as I was medically stabbed and cut open. I obviously still carry a great deal of bitter resentment about what I had to endure to live, and the consequences of the side effects of the drug trial and um, the effect that that has had on my life. The main emotional lesson I took from this early life experience is that no one is trustworthy and that navigating life requires constant skepticism. I realize, of course, that this was a traumatic experience, I don't think it quite meets the diagnostic definition of a PTSD thing, but that's debatable, I think. But this traumatic experience certainly dictated much of my thinking and exaggerated the neurodivergent tendencies I already had. And, you know, I see my neurodivergence in very strict definitional definitional terms, you know, the early onset struggle with learning to read, the early onset struggle with socializing, 
um, my memories don't go back much further than the childhood cancer treatment, but I think, I think the neurological delays were are always there, and the traumatic experience on top of all this took what was already there, you know, a neurodivergent person on some level, and simply exaggerated the neurodivergence through the stratosphere. I think that's that's what happened, and I would like to eventually get the medical files and read the files and figure out what the hell went wrong, but it's not of the utmost importance at this time. It's just merely interesting and formative in how I became who I am. So needless to say, I was, I think, I believe, strongly believe that I was already neurodivergent to begin with, and the trauma only magnified that to a large degree. Again, um, it's echogenetically and, you know, is, is hallmarked by being unable to relate to other children of my own age and seeking escape and truth interchangeably from mostly, at the time, audiobooks or, or things that I could listen to because I was not yet literate. The specific memory that I, you know, can boil it down to is of an elementary age kid late at night, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, trying to ward off memories of the news footage of the Bay Bridge partial collapse in the 89 Loma Felita earthquake. I grew up and still live relatively close to San Francisco within three hours. Visited the city a lot, so obviously the Loma Polita quake, seeing the news footage of that and seeing the Bay Bridge collapse footage and the 880 collapse footage, etc. had a deep and lasting impact on me. I still fear earthquakes, though, strangely enough, all the earthquakes that I've been through, one moderate one when I was living in the basement in Seattle, I've, I just slept right through them. It's, it's the strangest thing. But anyway, at the time, you know, I was, I was staying up late at night thinking about that earthquake news footage and listening to the likes of Art Bell and the Beatles to try and lull myself to sleep. I did hit a brief sweet spot in my childhood, relative sweet spot, between the ages of 10 and 14, roughly 1994 to 2000, where school was bothersome, annoying, and oppressive, but not so much so that I couldn't do other things. So it was kind of kind of this nice balance just before high school, towards the end of elementary school and junior high and just before high school. During that period, I was able to escape into the Beatles and John Lennon's solo work and do some creative experiments of my own. But unfortunately, this period ended quite abruptly when my family moved into a new house that my parents built, having breached, attained that coveted status of upper middle class, and suddenly we could build our own house and everything changed. And I ended up going into high school pretty well isolated and socially awkward. And I, for a lot of neurodivergent people, you know, the 14 and up, 14 to maybe 25 is really the 
the age where you start to encounter burnout and ha start to really have problems trying to transition into the adult world, which is a transition that I would still argue that I hadn't successfully made. What got me through it, though, thank God, was Star Wars. Once I got into the Star Wars movies, my parents tried to show them to me a number of times. I finally got into them. Once I got into them, I started exploring the Star Wars expanded universe. This was before George Lucas went back and screwed everything up with continuing to create his vision with the prequel trilogy. So before the prequel trilogy started, I was massively into Star Wars. I read the Han Solo trilogy. I read couple of generations after Return of the Jedi in, in the timeline, and then, of course, Disney has subsequently killed all of that, so thank you, Disney. But at the time, I, you know, I was very grateful and thankful for Star Wars for literally making me literate, which enabled me to dive into the skeptical world of systems and simulation to make it through those dark, difficult high school years and somewhat early college years. So looking back, when you combine that 90s era of my life and the 90s era culture that I ingested. The X-Files, Star Wars, Star Trek, keep in mind the next generation was on in the early 90s. DS9 was on in the early 90s, the first Star Trek series I actually watched. I think it was still in reruns at the time, but Voyager was what I started with and that's that helped me quite a bit. Uh, also, SimCity, The Sims, 90s culture was the Beatles were quite popular at the time again and I ventured back into the Beatles and ended up going very deeply into John Lennon and also I ran across 90s alternative and grunge a little bit of Nirvana but mostly post Nirvana stuff I've since circled back more to the Nirvana Pearl Jam type era and of course add to that Art Bell and my already strictly defined inability to trust and inherent skepticism about all combining that with the social awkwardness, you know, the net result is nothing short of a classic neurodivergent geek. I vary in some areas, of course, but by and large, I am a geek that questions all, attempts to emulate Vulcan philosophy as best as a human possibly can, the only problem, of course, is I am a human, and I have this damn annoying need to pause my game, audiobook, or podcast once in a while to deal with the other damn humans. This is, of course, the modern disharmony that I've been working so hard to deal with. I will echo George Carlin's thoughts on skepticism and cynicism and, and, cynicism and say, skepticism isn't inherently bad and is distinct from cynicism. More often than not, the real cynics of the world are the ones that deny social problems, the big world problems, as Carlin calls them, and lump them all together and claim it'll all work out for the better to serve their political ends. At this point in my life, I've experienced enough of the world directly and heard enough people's experience from other points in the world's history and from today that clearly illustrate otherwise, which leads me to know in the truest sense that someone can know something, that this optimistic gratitude fluff is nothing but humbug. 
absolutely nothing but humbug. Simply put, if your definition of everything is going to be alright is contingent upon humans hanging around or even Earth-sustaining life as we currently know it, you are in for a disturbing surprise in the relatively near future. As I've said before, I don't see humans going away as a bad thing. I think the best, to channel Persic here, I think the best quality thing we can do at this time in human history is to compile the evidence we've gathered, gathered in this little experiment the universe has put us through. And that is real the, where the real work is. Speaking for myself, outside of recent, recent introspective thought, led by listening to others' podcasts and just doing my thing, my progress has been pretty limited. Creatively, I'm, I'm really... I'm really trying to squeeze out every every last drop of creative energy I have in a stone that is basically dry at the moment. But, I, but I'm trying really hard, so my progress has unfortunately been very limited. Fortunately for me, given an individual like me a computer and a connection to the internet in this day and age, and they can make marked progress in the search for truth, so long as they keep in mind that the truth is relative rather than universal. Each person's version of the truth is different, and it's only in hearing and listening and sharing your truth with others that you get to a more something to something closer to universal truth, though I don't think there actually is a universal truth. And it's this point at the end of the truth-seeking process where you gather your truth, you share it with others, and you try and get feedback from them and you try to go further from that it's at that point at the end of the process that is real problematic for me as I've already shared I can share my truth through a podcast I can hear others truth through their media or very very brief one-on-one -on -one conversations but to actually really effectively make use of truth in any meaningful way one has to interface with others, and this is where I fall down. So this, I've determined, is where I need your help. If you hear some element, some nugget of truth in these words, please, 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 share them with those that you think will hear that same nugget of truth. And if you value the work and feel called to, please donate at nicknackpod.net. That's N-I-C-N-A-C. Pod.net, and if you happen to be of the mind of wanting to, for some reason, start a, start a society based on some or parts of the ideas discussed herein, I wish you luck. Please don't fuck it up. Please, please, please. Really prefer to avoid getting a, rep a reputation anywhere near Marx. Uh, whether Marx deserves his reputation or not isn't subject for a different episode. I might add that I'm trying to keep my ego in check about this kind of work. Being a human, I am just as fallible as any other human, if not more so because I don't understand social relationships. I just don't. So, take these words for what they are, but remember, remember the lessons that the Fox Television Network taught us before Disney went and Bottom out. They are House MD, Everybody Lies, X Files, 
trust no one. X-Files, the truth is out there. Lastly, in a clever sentence reference, or what I think of as a clever sentence reference, never underestimate the power of an advertising donut to stop a speeding monorail. The opening music is Raindrop Rhapsody by Josh Elkenberry. The closing music is Catch Me If You Can by Attica Attica. Find them at atticaattica.bandcamp.com. I thank both groups for allowing their creations to be used in the production of other work. I share and know the value of the Creative Commons approach to intellectual creations, which is why the Knickknack Podcast and FS Ride Along series is copyright 2006 through 2021 by Knickknack Marsh and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial 4.0 International License. I thank you so much for taking the time to listen and consider these thoughts and this attempt to make progress in the search for truth. May you find the safety and support you need to empower you to meet your needs and pursue truth on your own. Question everything. Till next time, stay safe, stay sane, get vaccinated, stay healthy, happy railroading, happy landings. Bye. Bye.